episode 93 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on February 4th, 2019. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week on the show, January has come and gone, and we still haven't had a major game update for Star Wars The Old Republic. 5.10.1 is in the works, but that's it. Is it time for another roadmap? Also this week, the return of Darth Malgus has been great for the game and great for the Empire, but what about the Republic? Do they need a Darth Malgus? And finally this week, I'll talk about the end of Ranked Season 10 and talk about esports tips that might help you in Season 11. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed. And cue the moron. What? Well, welcome to Episode 93 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. I am back from vacation and should be home for a good stretch now. I don't think I'm going anywhere until March, so hopefully that means more episodes on a more regular basis. 2019 is here, and unlike the past two years, it's been a slow start for Star Wars The Old Republic. This time last year, we were enjoying Game Update 5.7, Legacy of the Creators, which featured Skyva and some returning companions. And two years ago, we already had Game Update 5.1, Defend the Throne, which had a lot of content, including five new uprisings. It's now February, and we're still waiting on Game Update 5.10.1, which looks like it will be released later this month. Other than the Hive Queen, which is the new Ops boss, we don't know what else is coming in 5.10.1. There are four missing companions, Scourge, Kira, Theron Sedrax, and Zenith. Pretty sure that Scourge and Kira will factor into the next part of the story, so maybe it's a good time to have Theron and Zenith make their comebacks? Now, on February 15th of last year, we did get a winter-spring roadmap, which revealed Bioware's plans through April of 2018. As you know, April of 2019 is when Star Wars Celebration Chicago will take place. By the way, last week Chicago was colder than Antarctica. It was literally Hoth. Bioware will be there, hopefully with an expansion announcement and a shiny cinematic, but that is still a ways off. If you play World of Warcraft, then you're all too familiar with long content gaps, especially the ones that occur in between expansions. Well, Bioware doesn't give us as much content as WoW, they have been pretty good about releasing updates on a much shorter cadence. Right now, though, it feels like the start of a major drought, and so I find myself constantly checking the forums, scrolling through the gold posts, hoping a wild roadmap will suddenly appear. I'm not the only one doing this, by the way, and just today, Eric Musco chimed in on the forums to give an update on the status of a roadmap. Right now, I don't believe there are any plans for a formal roadmap in the coming weeks. To calm any concerns, that isn't because there isn't stuff happening this year, but we have been making an effort to give you more visibility into content sooner via PTS. With that in mind, here are some details. 
5.10.1 is on PTS Now, which you already know. That will come out in the next couple of weeks. More details on timing this week. After 5.10.1 is out the door, look for details on 5.10.2 going to PTS. We are still locking down details, so I can't announce anything just yet, but we fully intend to be at Star Wars Celebration this year, which seems like a great place to reveal more details on what is coming this year. So there is no roadmap in the works, which is too bad, because I think it's desperately needed. This is a weird time for Star Wars The Old Republic. By all accounts, it looks to be an exciting year for the game, but it feels like all of the content is backloaded towards the end of the year. Instead of putting together a roadmap and taking us on another great road trip, Bioware appears to be taking us on a magical mystery tour. Game Update 5.10 has been out for 8 weeks now, and I'm still hyped about the return of Darth Malgus. I think most players are. Game Update 5.10.1 is going to give us another loading screen. It's just like we have now, only Malgus is in the center, larger than life, because he is larger than life. I think this is awesome. As an Imperial Loyalist, it was great running missions for Malgus, like in the old days of the Old Republic. Of course, not everyone is for the Empire. Yes, there are those people who are actually for the Republic. And I imagine if you are one of those people, you can't be too excited to see Malgus back from the dead. Now, I hope that the follow-on to Jedi Under Siege isn't the False Emperor 2.0. I really don't want to see the Sith Empire turn on Malgus. If anything, I'd like to see him oust Asina or Valron and become the true Emperor. And I would like what's left of the Eternal Alliance to support him in this endeavor. If the goal of 6.0 is to get back to Republic versus Empire and Jedi versus Sith, then Malgus is perfect for the Empire. In Jedi Inner Siege, Malgus made his mission on Osis abundantly clear. You. I wasn't expecting you to be a part of this operation. I trust you share our goal. The complete eradication of all Jedi on this planet. So the Empire has Malgus, but what about the Republic? Who is their Malgus in this fight? The obvious choice is Jedi Master Satil Shan. She and Malgus have a long personal history with each other. Their first encounter took place on a Republic space station orbiting Korriban when Satil was just a Padawan. Malgus killed her master, Ko Sinderic, a sacrificial move that allowed Satil to escape and warn the Republic of the Sith Empire's return. They fought face-to-face on Alderaan, where Satil pretty much dropped a mountain on Malgus, inflicting the injuries that required him to wear a respirator mask for for life support. Although Satil and Malgus are featured prominently on the game's original key art, they never faced off in any of the game's stories. Malgus disappeared after the False Emperor, but Satil has been a major figure in many stories since, right up through Knights of the Fallen Empire. But it's in Knights of the Fallen Empire where things have gone awry with her. Knights of the Fallen Empire was released prior to The Last Jedi, and as I look at Satil on Odessin, she reminds me a lot of Luke Skywalker on Octu. She's reclusive and exiled, she talks to Force ghosts, and is a little weirded out. And that disappearing act at the end of Chapter 11 
Could that have been a little astral force projection? The main difference between Luke and Satil is that Satil wasn't running away to hide. She was on a descent because the force guided her there. But alas, I digress. We did see Satil on Coruscant with a Jedi at the end of Eternal Throne, so maybe she has returned to the Jedi and is ready to face the Empire. I don't know, though. Her actions on Adesin make it difficult for me to see her coming back to the Republic to fight that battle. Her focus was always defeating Vitiate, and that task is now over. Still, she has a lot of reasons to hate Malgus and see him defeated once and for all. We don't know what Malgus's true intentions are at this point. They're probably not good for the Republic, though. I imagine if the threat that the Empire poses to the Republic and the Jedi is dire enough, Satil will insist on playing a leading role. As strange as her exile was, perhaps she gained enough enlightenment in the Force to know that the dark side has no place in it. And maybe Satil will get those who are for the Republic to rally around her, like those who are for the Empire rally around Malchus. I want to talk now about game update 5.10.1 and PvP. Season 10 of Ranked PvP will end with game update 5.10.1 and Bioware announced the rewards and changes happening with Ranked Seasons. Starting with the end of Season 10, Ranked Tokens are no longer season specific. They don't expire across seasons and can be used to purchase any available rewards. Now, the reason for this change, according according to the blog that Bioware posted, is that also starting with the end of Season 10, they will begin bringing back old rewards, starting with Season 1. This will only include the items that were purchasable. Items such as titles that were earned by rank are not returning. Now, if you're someone who earned these rewards way back in Season 1 and want people to know that you earned them back in Season 1, you're in luck. The new items will be labeled as Replica. That's right, you'll be proudly riding Garada's Ranker mount, while that person you destroyed in combat will parade around on the replica Garada's Rancor mount. Now, as to how easy it will be to obtain the prior season rewards, Bioware stated that, Although prices are not locked down just yet, these returning items are going to be priced at a premium. It is intended that the average player will have to play over the course of more than one season to acquire them. Lastly, any player who earned these rewards in Season 1 will receive a special achievement to mark the accomplishment. And finally, a new vendor called Tulek the Evokai will be appearing next to Garada the Hut at the start of Season 11. Tulek will always be selling the prior seasonal rewards, and they will not be taken away. If players are seeking the new seasonal rewards, Garada the Hut will have them. Season 10 ends with Game Update 5.10.1, and Season 11 will begin two weeks after that. We are almost through two decades of the 21st century, and esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. 
Esports revenue for 2018 was expected to reach $900 million. That's just shy of a billion, folks. It's safe to say that we now live in a world where parents can no longer tell their kids they won't get anywhere in life playing video games. If you've ever found yourself getting frustrated over losses in PvP or sent the cat running from the room with their guttural screams after a boss wipe, I have some tips that might help you out. Just like there are professional athletes, there are professional video game players. One of the games I like to both play and watch is Hearthstone. If you've never heard of Hearthstone, it's a turn-based card game made by Blizzard Entertainment. Two opponents go head-to-head and pit their card decks against one another. The folks at Hearthstone Esports YouTube channel recently did a video called How Pros Fight Tilt. Obviously, the video was geared towards people who play Hearthstone, but I couldn't help but notice that the tips they were giving were ones that you could apply to almost any competition, be it ranked PvP, operations, and even real sports. So what exactly is Tilt? Well, here's how the guys at Hearthstone Esports described it. Tilt is gamer slang for a negative mental state caused by a previous loss. For example, a pro might go on Tilt when their opponent makes them overdraw the one key combo card their deck needs to win. By getting tilted, a pro allows this negativity and frustration to carry into their next game. The pro isn't fully focused on the new match, and as a result, plays suboptimally or sloppily. So basically, tilt is allowing yourself to get down because something didn't go the way you expected. I don't play ranked PvP, but I do PvP casually, and I do like to run operations in both story and veteran mode, and I do it in both Star Wars The Old Republic and World of Warcraft. Outside of my favorite MMOs, I like to play PvP in the real world in the form of tennis, mostly doubles these days. In an operation, you might wipe because you stood in the stupid, or hit an enemy that was CC'd or fat-fingered a key cooldown at the wrong moment. In tennis, it could be hitting a double fault on a break point or missing an easy put-away volley. We used to joke that in tennis, the difference between the good players and the great players is the good players make all of the great shots, and the great players make all of the easy ones, too. Losing is never fun, and it's easy to dwell on mistakes and losses. If you carry the effects of the loss into the next attempt, or point, or game, it can have a snowballing effect. So how do you get past this? Well, here's tip number one. The first pro tip to beating Tilt is to start fighting it before the play even begins. Most pros remind themselves before matches, or even tournaments, that unfortunate events can and will happen. But this doesn't diminish the skill required to play high-level Hearthstone. Instead, it provides yet another opportunity to outplay opponents. By recognizing that everyone can get tilted, but you can deal with it better than others, you transform this negative emotion into an opportunity for a competitive edge. When I was younger, I used to get very frustrated on the tennis court. I was very unforgiving with myself when it came to unforced errors. While I never smashed rackets, it was just too expensive, I often yelled and lost focus. Eventually, I realized you can't win every point or every game for that matter. You're not going to make every shot you're supposed to, and no matter how well I serve, I'm going to toss in a double fault from time to time. This is something that helped me when I started raiding in WoW and running ops in SWOTOR. I was never one to want to smash my keyboard or put a fist through the monitor, even after a long night of 100% wipes, some when the boss was below 10% health. It's not uncommon for the top raid teams in World of Warcraft to put in over 400 attempts on a boss before they get their first kill. And if you're wondering how a raid team can muster themselves to endure 400 straight wipes, 
Well, here's tip number two. The second pro tip to fighting tilt is to stay focused on the big picture. A single Hearthstone game is not a Hearthstone match. Most tournaments are best of three or more, and many formats, like Swiss and Double Elimination, allow you to lose entire matches and still make the top eight. Pro-level Hearthstone doesn't require you to win every game, just most of them. It's important to remember the destination you're trying to get to. If you do ranked PvP, it's getting your rating up as high as you can by the end of the season. Play a lot of USTA tennis. Our matches are best out of three sets. Losing a set is not fun, but it's not the match. Just last week, I was down 5-2 in a set and came back to win 7-5. Stay focused on the destination and make adjustments along the way. And lastly, here's tip number three. The final pro tip to beating Tilt is to remember that Hearthstone is more than winning and losing. It's a community of talented and passionate individuals who all share the love for a great game. If you respect not just your own talent, but your opponent's, the sting of losing can disappear, and Hearthstone as a whole will be a better place. Alright, so that last tip was a little touchy-feely for me. I will say this for tennis, you should always respect your opponent and what they can do especially if they're not as good as you. In my early days of tennis, I used to lose to lesser opponents because I took for granted that I would win. Once I started respecting their feeble skills, I learned how to stay focused and win. The same could be said for ops bosses. How many times have you wiped on an easy boss because you took for granted that you were going to defeat it and didn't focus on actually beating it? So there you go, whether it's esports or real sports, you need to have a short memory, and when bad things happen and you lose, you just need to rub some dirt on it and move on. And before I go today, I've got a bonus topic for you. Shintar from Going Commando wrote a, wrote a great post called SWOTOR's Top 5 Worst Planets to Navigate. I'm not going to go through each planet, but I did want to hit a couple of them, and one that didn't make her list that I thought should have. Number two on her list is Corellia, and I hate Corellia for many of the same reasons that she does. I can't tell you the number of times I've taken a road that I thought would go from point A to point B, and instead of ending up at point B, I ended up at a dead end. Not only would I have to navigate all the way back to where I started, but I then would be left with the realization that the quickest way to get from point A to B is via points C, D, and E. Corelli is one of the most inefficient planets to get around. No wonder Han Solo was so eager to leave. Number four on her list is Iocath. I just spent the last couple of days running dailies there for conquest. I get lost each and every time. I run around in circles and there's the one object that I need to scan that I can never find. I'm inclined to put Iocath higher on the list than Corellia simply because I've learned my way around most of Corellia. Iocath is still a mystery. The one planet that didn't make the cut but that has always been the most difficult for me to get around is Bell Savis. I've gotten much better at it, but if you don't have the map fully revealed, you can easily find a giant prison wall blocking the path to your destination. There's usually just one way to get to a destination, but many of the areas are open enough that you feel like you're going the right way, 
even though you're not. Be sure to check out Shintar's post to see all the planets on her list and why she chose them. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Final note for today, this just in, there is going to be a double XP, CXP, and Valor event happening from February 19th through the 26th. Always a good thing. And that's the State of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving, I don't know, another 20 minutes today, listening to episode 93 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 94 sometime next week. Until then, remember the Sith Code cake is alive.